Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 180. Is iTunes really the place for podcasts? And do you need a mobile app? Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm on this little mini-series right now of challenging the podcasting assumptions, those things that we take for granted or we do just because other podcasters do it or just because we heard someone else say, this is the way you should do it. And this has been really helpful for me in challenging some of my thinking and deciding, do I still want to do it this way because this is a good chance for me to change if I want to change or is there maybe a better way to do this? And as you've seen... I've changed my mind on some of these things in ways that I'm approaching certain stuff like my show notes URLs and trying to apply that in different ways as well as certain other aspects of my own podcasting. And I hope it's helped you too. If you want to check out the full list of episodes and different assumptions that I've been challenging in this series, you can go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash assumptions or just check out the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 180. So let's get into this with two main and somewhat related questions here. Is iTunes really the place for podcasts? Do you need to be in iTunes with your podcast? Is this really that important for the podcasting industry as a whole and for you specifically? And also, there's a lot of talk right now about mobile apps for podcasters, especially with Pat Flynn having just recently launched this completely custom-designed app for his podcast, for his entire site. It's the Smart Passive Income app, making it free, and all of the things that have gone into that. And he has an episode of Smart Passive Income where he talks with the developers and talks about what some of the thought process was behind this app and decisions that went into it. But this and much more have been in the spotlight for a little while with podcasters. Like if you talk to Rob Walsh from Libsyn, You'll hear him frequently say podcasters need their own apps. And there are other people who have been opponents of podcasters having their own apps starting to turn around and say, yeah, maybe podcasters should have their own apps. But I'll give you a little spoiler here. We're not talking about should podcasters have an app, but should you have an app for your podcast? So let's get into this with talking about iTunes. When Apple launched iTunes 4.9 in 2005. This made podcasts a lot more accessible to many people because a lot of people already had iTunes installed on their computers. And up until then, the main podcast apps were other apps like iPodder or what was more recently called Juice and some others. And many of these apps that were popular back then are mostly dead today because there are much better options out there. Some apps do still live on today and they're still a little bit geekier where you have to manually add your own RSS feed and certain other things about managing your subscriptions, synchronizing with different devices and such. But the podcast consumption space is so much different today than it was several years ago, even just a couple years ago. Like, think about what it was like before we had an iPhone or before many of us had a good podcast app on our smartphones. We might have been using iPods or 
other portable media players to synchronize our podcast with our computer. And our computer was our central device for downloading episodes. Now it seems our mobile devices are becoming more and more the central devices for downloading podcast episodes that we want to consume because we take that single mobile device with us almost everywhere. And since 2005, the iTunes platform has been responsible for as much as 90% of a podcast's downloads. There are many things that could go into that as well, though. Like, well, was the podcast even in other directories at that time, or was iTunes the only place you could get the podcast? But regardless of how you qualify that, still, iTunes has been a huge player in the podcast space. But is it still today? Do you need to be on iTunes with your podcast? Or if you're thinking of starting your own podcast, should you submit to iTunes or should you skip it? First, let's clear up a little bit of confusion. iTunes doesn't actually host podcasts. You don't upload anything to iTunes. You don't use iTunes to create your podcast. iTunes, or more specifically, we're talking kind of about the iTunes store or catalog, is just that. It's a catalog, a directory that links people with your podcast RSS feed. So people are connected directly to you through iTunes. They're not getting your podcast by downloading it from iTunes and iTunes downloads it from someone else. So if you submit your podcast to iTunes and then for some reason Apple doesn't like you and they remove you from the iTunes podcast directory, that doesn't mean that everyone out there who is subscribed to your podcast with iTunes or the podcast app suddenly loses their subscription because they are directly subscribed to you. On the flip side, you can also subscribe to podcasts if you paste their RSS feed into the iTunes or podcast app and manually subscribe to them, even if they aren't in the iTunes directory. So when you publish your podcast to iTunes, you're really just giving iTunes your RSS feed to say, this is the feed that I want everyone to be connected to. And iTunes puts that in its directory. It takes some snapshots of your feed and then promotes by the existence of your podcast in the directory your content to other people who might be able to find your content and it makes it easier for them to subscribe. But the end result is essentially the same as if they pasted, manually pasted your RSS feed into their app. However, clicking the subscribe button in iTunes does give you special little perks by bumping your ranking up a little bit and it gives people the opportunity to leave ratings and reviews for your podcast. The other thing to think about is When you're starting out and you publish an episode for your podcast, or maybe you've been podcasting for a while and you publish an episode, then you go over to iTunes to look to see and ensure that that latest episode is displaying properly. Hold on. That's not how iTunes actually works. What iTunes does, it basically takes snapshots of your RSS feed, and that's what it displays in the iTunes store or the catalog. So if you publish an episode and then go over to iTunes and find your podcast in the iTunes store, then you'll probably see that your latest episode isn't available yet. That's because iTunes takes snapshots or they cache your information for its directory. The same thing applies to if you change your title, your description, your cover art, anything like that. iTunes learns about the general schedule of when you publish new content, so it starts to learn for when to look 
to update your RSS feed. If you're pretty consistent with your updates, then iTunes will know to expect something new around a certain time. So it will check a little bit more frequently. Like with the Audacity to Podcast, iTunes knows in general an episode of the Audacity to Podcast comes out every Monday afternoon. And so when I publish an episode, it's usually pretty quickly that I see it in the iTunes store. Now, I keep emphasizing the store because of that delay that they have since they cache your feed or they take snapshots of your feed. But your subscribers have immediate access to your latest episode as soon as you publish it, or really it is as soon as your RSS feed updates. And the reason I distinguish that is because if you use FeedBurner, you might have a slight delay. It could be 30 seconds. It could be 15 minutes or 30 minutes. If you use Yahoo Pipes and FeedBurner, then your delay could be even longer, like an hour. And other third-party feed services might also have certain delays as they also cache your feed. So you're just compounding the delays here. And the main thing, though, to remember is that if you can see it in your RSS feed and you're subscribed to your own podcast or you check your RSS feed, then your subscribers should also be able to receive it as long as there's not a problem with your RSS feed. So it's immediately available to your subscribers, but that doesn't mean they'll immediately download it because podcast apps out there are set to check for RSS updates on a certain schedule. It might be every hour, it might be every three hours, it might be once a day. It might only check when the person opens their app. That's the way that desktop iTunes works. Whatever schedule you set for desktop iTunes, daily, hourly, whatever, it won't check for a new episode if iTunes hasn't been opened. But if you open iTunes on the desktop, then it does check for a new episode in each of the RSS feeds, and then it switches back to as long as iTunes is open, it follows its own schedule. So you're not uploading directly to iTunes, and iTunes is not necessarily reflecting the latest update for your feed. Your feed shows that latest update, and your subscribers may be getting that directly because your subscribers are connected to your RSS feed, not to an iTunes copy of your feed. So how popular is iTunes really? Even today, iTunes is still the largest podcast consumption app. And when I talk about iTunes, it's not just desktop iTunes, but it's also the podcast app for iOS, which is very popular. It's the most popular app for iOS now. And also it looks like the upcoming update for iPhones, iPod Touches, and iPads version iOS 8 will probably have the podcast app pre-installed, which means it will become even more popular as a consumption app. So iTunes is connected to both of these things, the iTunes desktop application and its store, as well as the official Apple podcast app for iOS. Together, both of these apps are roughly around 60% of the total downloads. Rob Walsh from Libsyn frequently talks about the percentages of the statistics that they see across 16,000 podcasts that they have in their system and hundreds and thousands and millions of downloads in a month. So he's looked at things and recently, for example, in May, With 170 million unique download requests, they saw that Apple software represents 67.39% of all downloads. Now, Apple software means 
iTunes, the podcast app, and Safari and QuickTime. So it's not a complete separation of iTunes specifically. But still, when you boil it down to what about just iTunes and the podcast app, it will look closer to about 60%, somewhere around there, 50 to 60%. And I can see this in my own statistics for Noodle Mix Network. I looked at the stats for May 2014, and I see that iTunes and the podcast app together represent 59.9% of all of our downloads across the network. Web browsers are the number two download for me, and then my next highest app for podcast consumption in NoodleMix Network is, interestingly, Downcast, with only 3% of NoodleMix Network podcast downloads for the month of May 2014. Rob Walsh said that, according to Libsyn stats, their next highest app after browsers is Stitcher with 2.57 of all downloads. So, The main idea here is that Stitcher is a hugely popular place. And according to Rob from Libsyn, Stitcher's stats at 2.5% are more than every other podcast app combined, except for Apple's podcast app. So Stitcher is essentially the number two app and directory for your podcast after iTunes, that is. And I would say after also making your podcast consumable on your own website. By the way... I'm mentioning these different apps and places your podcast can be, and I am thrilled to very quietly announce to you a soft launch of my new service for podcasters, and this is a free service at podcastplaces.com. It's everywhere you and your podcast should be, so it's a complete list of the podcast apps and what apps work on what platforms and what are some of their features and uniquenesses for each of them. So you can check that out at podcastplaces.com. And one of the things that you can see there is you can see a list of other podcast apps that pull from the iTunes API. What this means is that you submit to iTunes and that makes you also available in these other platforms. For example, RSS Radio or Downcast and certain other apps, and even Beyond Pod, which doesn't pull from the iTunes API, the public API for their own directory listing, Beyond Pod will read an iTunes podcast URL. So you can tell Beyond Pod listeners, yeah, visit myawesomepodcast.com slash iTunes, and Beyond Pod will interpret that as a podcast feed. So listing your podcast in iTunes automatically puts you and your content in other apps and directories. Which, yes, those other apps and directories are small, but still, they are apps and directories that have very loyal followings. So if you're not in iTunes, you're missing out all of these other opportunities to get in front of a new audience or to be more accessible to your current audience. But iTunes isn't without its downsides. There are plenty of people who hate iTunes and hate the podcast app for iOS. Just look at the ratings on the podcast app for iOS. If you look in iTunes or on your mobile device, you'll see it's a very low rated app. I happen to actually really like the podcast app for iOS and I have been using it faithfully as my only podcast app ever since it was released and ever since I had an iOS device that I could use. Even before I got my iPhone, I was using my iPad 
as a podcast player instead of doing different hacking systems and different apps and such. But there are some other great apps out there like Instacast and Downcast are very good and Stitcher is great and many others out there are really good as well. But one of the things that affects many podcasters when they want to put their podcast in iTunes is that iTunes does come with its own rules. And this could be a problem for some podcasters. For example, iTunes has certain technical feed and hosting requirements that could be a little difficult to meet. For example, the media must be hosted on a platform that supports byte range requests. That means that Apple or an app can go and request a certain range of information from your audio file instead of requesting the whole thing. But if it just wants to download five minutes in, it can do that. That's A server has to support byte range requests, and that's where it's doing it. It's requesting a particular range of bytes for that media. But there are also certain feed requirements. You can't just give Apple any kind of RSS feed. It has to be formatted in a particular way. There are also content restrictions for your podcast in iTunes. Like, you can't use profanity in your show title, your episode titles, or your descriptions. If you do, your podcast will either be rejected by iTunes or will be kicked out of the iTunes store. They don't want any profanity publicly visible in your podcast feed. That doesn't mean you can't have profanity in your podcast. It just has to be marked appropriately depending on the amount of profanity in your podcast. But if you don't appropriately mark your podcast as explicit when it is, or if you use explicit language in the descriptions or the titles, you'll get kicked out. Some people have some problems with this. I would say just adapt with it. Name your podcast something that works a little bit better, and you can still have the explicit content if you want that. Just make sure you're using that explicit tag, and then you won't be kicked out. As long as you follow those rules, you're still allowed to release whatever content you want. You just can't have the public visual side of the content before you actually consume the content to violate podcast rules from Apple. And also, since the Apple Podcasts app is such a massive platform for podcasts as well as iTunes. We're really at Apple's mercy for how our podcasts appear in iTunes and the features that the platform offers. For example, it's been pretty standard for a while to say, don't put HTML in your show notes that goes out to iTunes or strip the HTML and put in the plain links. But even those are pretty worthless because people can't very easily copy and paste them, make them visually memorable so it's easy for people to look at it and then go type it elsewhere. That's the way it used to be. But with one of the recent updates to the podcast app, and this is a huge update, I think, for podcasters, you can now click hyperlinks. It's not just URLs that you can tap on your mobile device, but actual hyperlinks. So you could have text to say my podcast reviews and that be hyperlinked to mypodcastreviews.com instead of having to put the URL in there. The same thing also works for email addresses and phone numbers. So someone can tap that in the podcast description and it loads their email program or it calls that phone number or visits a website or does other things with the basic hyperlinks in your notes. That's fantastic. That's the way it used to be a long time ago with iTunes. Then they disabled that and now it's back again and I'm really glad it's back. So this is one of those things that really we're at Apple's mercy for how they decide to do this. 
maybe in the future they decide to remove it again, then, well, that's a lot of work maybe that we did to optimize those listings gone down the drain. So there are some downsides. But one of the other things that I've seen some people raise as concerns about iTunes is whether iTunes is just a place for competing about over rankings and ratings and reviews and if it's only a place for popular people so that you have to pick the right category in order to be number one or anything like that and it's really not like that sure like any platform you can get competitive with it and certain things like your ratings and reviews do affect your rating but to your audience who has already decided to subscribe and consume your content, how you rank in iTunes probably doesn't matter to them. So you don't have to focus on your ranking, your ratings, and reviews. And yes, being on this platform does mean that you are opening yourself up to potential criticism. That's the way it is with just about any kind of social platform these days. If you can leave a comment or you can write a review, you are opening yourself up to criticism. And some podcasters can't take that. And this is going to be hard to hear, and I hope you can take this. But if you can't take some criticism online about your content, then maybe you shouldn't be creating content online. Because people are going to talk about your content, they are going to criticize it, even if you don't give them a space to do so. Now, it'd be great if you produce content where people will praise the content or respond positively to it more often than negatively. And I think in general, that's the way people will be. Even if you get into reading YouTube comments, which that's its own little cesspool. But I think still more people will be genuinely grateful than hateful as long as you're putting out some quality work out there. Imagine if an author removed their book from all bookstores, including Amazon.com, because they didn't like that others could write reviews for their books. That would be ridiculous. They would be missing so many opportunities, not just the opportunity to receive the reviews and receive sales or sell their product more because they're on these multiple platforms. But they're also making it harder for the people who genuinely want to get their content. It's the same thing with iTunes. By the way, if you need help tracking your podcast reviews, check out mypodcastreviews.com. So in conclusion, should your podcast be in iTunes? Yes, I think it should. Regardless of your opinion of Apple or of iTunes and whatever platform that you are using, if you're not able to get iTunes on your computer, then you can contact someone else to have them submit your RSS feed to iTunes or go to the Apple store or somewhere, anywhere that there's a computer with iTunes installed and you could potentially submit your podcast there or email me and I can tell you about a couple options. But being in iTunes puts you on the number one podcast platform, currently number one. And it looks like there's no sign of that going away, that it's the number one platform for podcasts. This makes it much easier for your potential audience to find you, yes, but also to subscribe to you by simply clicking or tapping a couple links and they're connected with your content. This is so much easier than asking them to copy and paste your RSS feed into a podcast app and telling them, yeah, go download this particular app and set this up, create your account here, then you paste this RSS feed. That starts to get really complicated. 
If the podcast app truly does come pre-installed in iOS 8 devices and with the update to iOS 8, it will be so much easier to get people to subscribe to your podcast because you'll no longer have to tell them, download an app to subscribe to the podcast. If they're using an iOS app, you can just tell them, yeah, visit myawesomepodcast.com slash iTunes and you could subscribe right there. You don't have to worry about pointing them to the best app or anything like that. It's the app that's already installed, which for most people will be the only thing they'll want to use and not have to do anything more complicated. So being in iTunes makes you more accessible and it makes it easier for people to subscribe to your content. Don't you want it to be easy for people to subscribe? Even if you're not worrying about getting new listeners or viewers to your content, those people who you tell to subscribe, don't you want it to be easy for them? So yes, I do think that your podcast should be in iTunes, if for no other reason, just to make it easier for your subscribers and potential subscribers. So now I've talked a little bit about apps for podcasts, and there are many different apps out there that you can use to subscribe to many different podcasts, Instacast, Downcast, it seems like any kind of word combined with the word cast is available as an app for podcasts. Having your own standalone mobile app for your podcast seems to be all the rage these days, especially with prominent podcasters like Mark Marin, Pat Flynn, and many others having their own apps for their podcast. But is this something that you should do for your podcast? First, and you may be convinced when you hear this, but let's look at several things that an app can do if you have a podcast, here are 13 benefits for having your own app for your own podcast. Number one, reduce the complexity for new podcast consumers. Most people are familiar with installing apps. And in fact, I would say more people are familiar with how to install an app than they are how to subscribe to a podcast. Almost anyone who has a smartphone has probably installed an app. So you're not asking them to do much more complicated If you have an app for your podcast, you just say, yeah, go install this app, and that is my podcast in that app. Number two, grow your audience by being findable on app-only directories. This is a thing about podcasts is that if you search iTunes on a desktop computer, for example, if you search for Audacity, you'll find probably some books about Audacity, maybe some videos about Audacity, some stuff about Obama, some stuff about other things that use the keyword Audacity. You'll find TV shows that have Audacity somewhere in the title. You'll find the Audacity to podcast in the podcast section, and you'll also find mobile apps. Now, podcasts at different times might be listed differently in this list. They might be higher. They might be lower than everything else. Like if you search for Once Upon a Time, Of course, the TV show for Once Upon a Time shows up higher in iTunes than my podcast as well as the other podcasts about Once Upon a Time. But what about those directories where it is only apps, especially now looking at mobile devices like the iOS mobile devices? When you search in the app store, you are only searching apps. Yes, on iTunes, on the desktop, if you search, you're searching apps, books, TV shows, and podcasts, and much more. But on the mobile side, you're only searching apps. Also, on the Google side with Android, the Google Play Store does not have podcasts. Google 
I agree here really with Rob Walsh. Google is not the podcaster's friend. There is no official podcast app from Google anymore. There used to be Google Listen, which kind of was an official podcast app, but it wasn't really designed that well. It was weird. There's certainly no official directory of podcasts published by Google. So if you search the Google Play Store, which does have TV shows, it has movies, it has books, it has apps. If you search that for your podcast, you won't find it because there's no place to submit your podcast. But if you have an app for your podcast, you'll be findable in the app store. And this works across many different platforms, whatever platforms you support with your apps. So obviously an iPhone app won't appear in the Android app store, or not necessarily every Android app will appear in the Amazon Kindle Fire app store. But it is still a great way to grow your audience by being findable on those app-only directories. Number three, notify users instantly when a new episode is available. With a mobile device and your own standalone app, you're able to let people know when you do things like publish an episode or when you're broadcasting live or anything important happens. These are called push notifications. An app doesn't have to go check for information like checking your email. It just receives something pushed out to it automatically. So that means if I had a mobile app with push notifications enabled right now, I could send a push notification and instantly everyone who has that app installed and has allowed push notifications would all at the same time or within a very short span of time would receive a notification of something important happening. So this could be great if I'm going live to say the Audacity to Podcast is going live right now. Come check it out. So that's number three. Number four, make it easier for users to engage. What you can do if you have your own app is put in your email or text uh, information for SMS or your voicemail number or an audio video message system. And if people have the app installed, they can send you feedback and engage with your content by just tapping a button and it opens their email program or opens their texting service or it calls your voicemail number or it sends an audio or video message, turns on their microphone, turns on their camera, anything like that so they can engage with your content and send you feedback right from the app. They don't have to start an email message or anything else. And the way that you design the app can also integrate with the current content that they're listening. Like maybe your app is playing an episode and there's a button that says send feedback about this episode. So when you see receive the feedback, it is automatically tagged as being connected to that particular episode. Number five, make it easier for users to share your content. You could implement with your own app any kind of social sharing buttons or tools that you wanted to. And with the way that mobile operating systems are working, you could also integrate with system level sharing options so that a share button could share to Twitter, Facebook, Google+, LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever you want. It could even share it via email or send an SMS text message to people telling them about your latest episode that your listeners can share that way. Number six, connect podcast subscribers with the other stuff you offer. Maybe in addition to your podcast, you also have a blog where you're publishing a lot of content in a different format, or you offer certain services or products that you sell and other things like that. Your app can connect them with this by their 
connecting with all of your content instead of just your podcast content. They could purchase a product from your app, potentially, or they could schedule an interview or a consulting appointment with you through your app. Number seven, simplify the subscription process if you host multiple podcasts. If you have a network of podcasts like I do with Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx, a single app can make it much easier for people to find the other content that you produce as well as subscribe to the other content that you produce. You wouldn't have to tell them to go into iTunes or to go to a separate website to subscribe. Your app could just say, hey, we offer a new podcast now on the network. Tap here to subscribe and automatically receive these new episodes about this other content. Number eight, having your own app allows you to brand the experience completely to your own show or network, depending on how you get your app developed, that is. It could have your own colors, your own logo, your own information, about page, all of that. It could have different parts of it branded to different podcasts in your network. Number nine, add additional website-like features to the app. What I do with Noodle Mix Network is I have a chat room, I have a live broadcast page, I have a forum for one of my podcasts, all of my podcasts have comments, and there's much more. And you could integrate these things into a mobile app. So if you're live, someone from the mobile app would be able to watch your live stream or listen to it. They could participate in the chat room. They could talk in the forums. They could comment on your content and much more. These are things that, yes, you could do on your website, but on your app, it's all there in one easy-to-use place. Number 10, use device features like the GPS, the camera, the microphone, and more. Now, each of these would probably require some kind of permission from the user, and you might not need these things, but it could be something cool to be able to integrate with your app. For example, you might run some little survey where you ask people, hey, we're thinking about traveling. If you have a really popular podcast that has a lot of fans in different cities, you could say something like, we're considering going on the road with our show, If you would be interested in our coming to your city, tap here to enable your GPS location to be shared. And then that way you get an instant feedback to see where all of your listeners are. And you can use that information to decide where to go with your show or maybe particular content to market to special areas or see just specifically completely accurate results of where your audience is. Number 11, having your own podcast app can help you gather personal information, again, with the user's permission, to learn more about your audience. Like it could tap a button to instantly connect with Facebook or instantly share their contact information or some way that they can share your contact information with someone else or connect with you on social networks. You can get certain information from their device and you'd be able to do that with an app getting their permission first, of course. You wouldn't be able to do that outside of that uh, in certain app directories. And number 12, you could even make money by selling your app. Now that takes a very large audience to be able to monetize your app that way because if you immediately start selling an app, it's very possible not very many people would be interested in buying it. And number 13 reason and benefit to having your own app for your podcast is you could potentially make money by incorporating your own ads into the app, especially if it's a free app. 
that can be a good opportunity to maybe have ads. They could be completely irrelevant ads like from Google or from some other ad platform, or they could be targeted ads. Like it might be something I could do is if I had an app specifically for the Audacity to podcast is all of the ads could be affiliate links for services that podcasters would want, like web hosting, media hosting, equipment sales, and that kind of stuff. So it would be a way to monetize the app, even though it's free. Yeah, you can do a lot of these things that I mentioned, these 13 things, and these will be in the show notes, by the way, at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 180. You can do a lot of these with a mobile-optimized website. But some of these things you can't do with a mobile site, like background audio playback or background downloads, offline media, for example. If someone wants to consume your content while they're on the airplane, you can't do that with a mobile website. Depends on how you code it, that is. But push notifications, certainly you can't get that with a mobile website. There are things you can do, yes, like email or separate system for push notifications or SMS notifications, anything like that. But then you start talking about hacking together many different systems when maybe just a single app could do that for you and connect with everything you do and immediately make it so much easier for you. But why would you not want an app for your podcast? Consider these few things before you jump in and start getting an app. Number one, apps do make you more visible, but ensure your content is worth finding and it's titled well for searches. For example, if I made the Daniel J. Lewis app, no one's going to find it because it says nothing about the content or the purpose of the app and why people should download it. The description and the title should reflect what it's about to make it more findable. Number two, apps can cost a lot to develop, especially if you want to cover the many different mobile platforms out there. The top ones are iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and BlackBerry. So if you want a separate app for each of those platforms, that can get really expensive, especially if it's a completely custom app. That can be hugely expensive. We could be talking thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars maybe, to have your app developed for all of these platforms. Number three, apps require maintenance with just about every technology update there is. This is even more complicated on the Android side because, yes, Android devices are highly fragmented, so you need to ensure that your app works in older operating systems and newer operating systems and many different screen sizes, and you probably need some kind of customer support to ensure that your users are happy and they're not making all these complaints that are going unnoticed and unresolved. And number four reason for why you might not want to get an app is you just simply may not have a large enough audience that anyone would want an app or creating an app for your show just doesn't make sense yet because you don't have enough leverage in order to make that app successful. And a lot of this is based on how much time and money it would take you to get an app. So here are just a few places you can go to get your own app, and I'll have a list and I'll try to keep the list updated over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 180. But you could hire a custom developer or a team of developers to make an app for you through a site like Elance or Odesk or several other sites like that. And that can cost thousands of dollars, potentially. If you host with Libsyn, then you already have an option for an app 
that if you just pay a little bit more per month and there are different requirements and certain offerings with their plan, but it can be something great that you get a good app and it's fairly flexible and you could sell it. You could give it away for free. There are many different options there if you're interested in that. So check out the link in the show notes. If you use Spreaker, you could also get an app that's extremely basic, extremely template-based for about $99 per year per show. You can't make a network app, but you could have a basic app for a single podcast, and that might be worth it to you to have that app that way. And you could even get your own developer's license on the multiple platforms out there like Android and iOS, which that costs you about 100 or so dollars per year, and then buy a template for an app and customize it yourself. This would require probably some basic programming understanding. It doesn't mean you have to program the app yourself, which certainly that's another option, but I'm not even mentioning that on this list. But it would be something like being able to get into the code, change the source RSS feed, change the images that it uses, stuff like that. And a place you can go to find some templates like that would be Code Canyon is a place that they have different things for podcast apps on multiple platforms and they say something like you need to have this program on your computer so you can open it up change these things export it out and then use your own developer's license to get it into the app stores i'll try to keep the show notes updated with some resources where you can get your own app developed there are certainly many other places so i know i'm not mentioning things here if you want to see that list and see an updated list, go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash 180, and you'll see a list of places where you can get a mobile app for your podcast. So in conclusion, it's kind of a double conclusion here. Yes, I think podcasters should have their own apps, but you should probably think carefully about your own app. You may not be to the point where you need one yet, Maybe you're beyond the point and you've been trying to decide, do I need an app, all of this content, all of these people talking about apps and such. So it's really something that you have to decide for yourself, but I do recommend it if you can afford it. Certainly having your own app has so many benefits to it, but the cost may make those benefits not necessarily something that you can reasonably reach. So Is having your app to help grow your audience worth $100 a year or $200 a year? Is it worth $5,000 to have a completely custom app made for you? It depends on how much money you're making from your content, how much money you have, and what your growth and your platform is worth to you. So in case you're wondering, my own personal decision here with Noodle Mix Network is I would love to have an app for Noodle Mix Network, but I just can't afford one yet. Running a network means that everything is instantly more expensive, and I don't want every podcast on my network to have its own app. I want one central app that allows people to connect with the separate podcasts on the network, and then that app would be findable and would be integrated with different things, and it would notify you when we go live with different shows, when a new episode is out and such. So I have to put aside my own desires to get an app because it's just too expensive for me at the moment, and I can't quite see it paying for itself yet. Maybe someday I'll be able to get a mobile app for my own podcast. 
And by the way, I'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are on mobile apps for podcasts. If you have one, what has your success been like? Or if you don't have one yet, or you know where you can get an app, if you want to add to this list of resources for getting your own mobile app, please comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 180. In the show notes are also some other resources that I recommend that you check out more about whether your podcast should have its own mobile app, a couple podcast episodes. And we did an episode of Podcasters Roundtable all about this. And we had people on both sides. We had Rob Walsh talking about uh, the benefits and what Libsyn can offer. And we had others who were saying, no, it's just not worth it to have a podcast app. And it's some great content, some great conversations. So go to the show notes to check out that information as well at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 180. I've got two announcements for you. Number one, my podcast reviews, you know, it's already launched. Sign up over at mypodcastreviews.com to get your podcast reviews automatically emailed to you, your international podcast reviews. And there are some great features still coming over there. And there is a free plan. And there are some things that we're going to be doing in the future that I think you'll love. But what's new about this is also, I have a link in the show notes that if you're interested in the My Podcast Reviews affiliate program, that will be opening up very soon. So I would like you to sign up on a separate email list to receive information about the affiliate program when that is available. I have the link for that in the show notes or just go to mypodcastreviews.com slash affiliates to sign up there. And my second announcement, my newest podcasting resource is sort of soft launching available. It's called Podcast Places and it will list everywhere you and your podcast should be. Right now you can see a bunch of podcast apps and directories over there and it's already I think a great resource. Check it out at podcastplaces.com and you have the opportunity of being part of this website. If you would like to contribute by recording a video a screencast showing how to submit a podcast into an app or a directory, and you'd get some own self-promotion for this, please go to podcastplaces.com and sign up for the email newsletter, or you can email me through my feedback channels to let me know you'd be interested in contributing to this. It would be a short video, maybe one or two minutes, needs to meet certain requirements and have a certain script, very short script at the beginning and end, but I'd love to incorporate your own work into this and make this really a community project. So it's not just all me, but this will be an awesome place to discover all the places you and your podcast should be. You can get that link and everything else I mentioned in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 180. I would also like to thank jkennedy93bj at thebustymarketer.com and Mr. Clever for leaving kind ratings and reviews for me in iTunes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast or if you'd like to leave a review in iTunes, please go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash iTunes to subscribe and rate and review. And I'd really appreciate that. And yes, I got those reviews automatically emailed to me this morning through my own service, mypodcastreviews.com. If you have some podcasting assumptions you'd like me to challenge or you need some help with podcasting, please email me feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website 
theaudacitypodcast.com. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitytopodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Under the Dome is just starting up again on CBS, great TV show, and we have a podcast about it over at underthedomeradio.com, and you can find that and more podcasts over at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.